Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And you can follow along in your bulletin. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who lost who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, in, in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, A great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You might be surprised to hear this, but there are certain texts that I don't like to preach on. Last week was one of them. Um, This one is also one I'm not crazy about preaching. Last week was hard just because it's a hard text to kind of figure out. This one is harder to preach. It's hard to preach because, well, it's not really the text. It's how we respond to the text, because it's so easy for us to look at this text and to get on our soapboxes and rail against some current injustice in the world, and that would make sense. The problem, I think, for me is that it's so easy for us to externalize and moralize the story, that it, it starts to not be about focus on 
how, are, how am I caring for the poor? How am I caring for those who are needy? But it's always about those other people. And that's not really how we should look at this. But the problem is we can interpret it in such a way that it allows people to pat themselves on the back and give thanks that they aren't like those people that don't care about the poor. But the thing is, is that scripture is meant for the local community. And this scripture, you have to imagine when it was first read to the early church, was read to that community. And so we have to look at this passage and really give a long and hard look to see how it relates to us. We have to examine ourselves and ask if we are remembering the poor that are in our midst. We might think that we know this text because we've heard it so often, but we need to listen to it again and be open to what God is telling us. So last week, Jesus shared the parable of the dishonest steward. And he concludes the story by saying that no one can serve two masters. They can either love one and hate the other, but you can't do it both. Now, the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of Jesus' time, were listening to Jesus, and they scoff. And the Bible says, and we did not read it in this week's passage, though I did read it in last week's, that the Pharisees were lovers of money, and they heard all this and they ridiculed him. So, of course, Jesus is hearing this, and he figured that if he didn't, they didn't understand with the first story, then he was going to go full strength and give them a story that was not subtle at all. Now, it's important to note that in this time and age, if someone had riches, it meant in people's eyes that God favored them. So the Pharisees were thinking that Jesus, what Jesus was saying here in this story, but even in the story before, was somewhat blasphemous. Didn't Jesus know? that wealth is a sign of goodness. If you didn't have wealth, then, well, maybe you did something wrong to earn God's disfavor. But Jesus turns this around. God cares for the poor. God remembers the poor. And it is important for those that are with resources to do so, to care as well. Now, the two story, main characters in this story are painted in such extreme ways to make a point. Now, Lazarus comes across as a pathetic figure, a very sad figure, one that is so poor that he sits at the gates begging for even just scraps from the table. And he is so poor and obviously in some ways so sick that even the dogs come and lick his sores. 
And then there is the rich man. And he is a ridiculous person. He is dressed in fine linens all the time. That's a sign of his wealth. And every day, every day, he eats sumptuously. It's not like he just grabs a sandwich someday. Every day, he is having a four-course meal. And the rich man is, you know, we have to paint him in some ways as, as somewhat selfish because even in hell, he is asking Father Abraham to send Lazarus, who is with Abraham in heaven, to come and send a drop of water or to be a messenger to his brothers. Even in death, he doesn't really see Lazarus as an equal, but as someone that he can order around. But now his luck has run out. What might have been possible on this side of heaven isn't allowed in the afterlife. The rich man is condemned, and none of his riches can save him. The rich man did not show mercy or gratitude. If riches were a blessing from God, then maybe he should have shown gratitude for what he received by showing mercy towards Lazarus. And as the parable reveals, he was aware of Lazarus' existence. He just never cared enough to do anything about it. So what does this have to do with us? Everything. As we continue in this time of Sabbath, as we are focusing this fall on our own personal walk with God, we need to ask, how are we showing concern for others, especially the poor? Do we see care for the poor as a spiritual practice? Because it is. It is just as important as praying it is just as important as reading your Bible. Our Catholic brothers and sisters see and have a name for the giving of money to help the poor, alms. And alms or almsgiving is usually a Lenten practice, though it is urged sometimes, it is urged to be part of the Christian life. The word alms actually, I believe in Greek or in Latin, is shows it comes from the word mercy. And it also is related to the act of charity. And charity comes from the word charis, which means grace or gratitude. So giving of our money to help those in need is an act of gratitude for what God has done in our lives. It's fascinating in Islam there is a practice, they have a practice of alms, and it's called zakat. And it's actually so important, it's considered one of the five pillars of Islam. If you go to, and I did this this week, went to a site, um, um, Islamic Relief here in the US, and I believe Islamic Aid in the UK, 
there are ways that you can actually pay your zakat. It's kind of like paying a tax, a way of, of making sure that you are paying it based on income and all that, something that helps those who are in need. As I said, it is important that we have regular prayer. It is important that we study the Bible on a regular basis. Those are important. They are foundational to our faith. But it is also important for us to regularly help those who are in need, help those who are in poor, because that also connects us with God. We don't do this because we're trying to please God, but because of what God has done in our lives. We see the resources that we have as a gift, and we, and we give to give thanks to God. Some of you know that I have... I do a podcast where I um, interview people on, on issues of faith. And last week, I decided to talk to a workmate. As you know, I also am a part-time pastor. During the week, I work at a church, a Lutheran congregation up in Forest Lake. And so I talked to one of my workmates, Nina. She is uh, an ordained deacon um, in the Lutheran church. They make room in, in that tradition for ordained deacons who are called to what they call a ministry of word and service, as opposed to a pastor's ministry, which is word and table. And in talking, we were talking about, and, and she reminded, the role of a deacon is to connect people with pe people um, who are on the margins of, the, of life and to bring those needs of the world into the life of the church. To remind the church that we're just not about ourselves, but about being out in the world where God calls us. Our congregation has a history of reaching out to others. Early on, when I, uh, um, in my time here, I had... Um, the honor of, of meeting um, Dale Webster, who saw a need back in the 1970s of, well, of finding a way of welcoming um, refugees from Southeast Asia in the aftermath of the Vietnam War and, and all of the other wars that are taking place in um, Southeast Asia. In the aftermath and in the years following that I've been here in the aftermath of COVID, I think there has been a temptation in our congregation sometimes to look inward. And we need to, especially now in this time of Sabbath, really think not just about our own personal walk with God, but what does it mean for our church? How do we move outward? We're in a new community. How do we connect with that community? One of the things that I'm hoping to do very soon is to meet with someone from the Roseville Police Department. But that's me. What about the rest of us? I'm not asking that necessarily it means that we start to do mission projects, though those are good things. But how do we internalize mission to realize that we are called into, out into the world 
And what does that look like? And how do we do it? How does that become second nature to us? I wanted to end with this serious topic by talking about something rather funny, but it relates to it. As I was coming to get putting this sermon together, kind of the danger sometimes at the last minute is sometimes when things actually come to mind that you have to then write down when you think you had the sermon all written down. And one of the things that came to mind about um, this parable and what, how it related to um, popular culture made me think about the 1983 comedy, Trading Places. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's the story of two men, a commodities broker named Lewis, who is played by Dan Aykroyd, and a street hustler named Billy, who is played by Eddie Murphy. And the whole point of the movie is that there are these two older men, um, Mortimer and Randolph Duke, who are played by um, veteran actors Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy. And they have a bet. Are people kind of formed by nature or nurture? And so they decide to basically manipulate the lives of these two men, the commodities broker and the street hustler, and switch them. So that the commodities broker, Dan Aykroyd, Lewis loses everything. He's kicked out of the firm, he loses his house, he's on the street. And, and Murphy ends up in the mansion. Now at some point they realize what's going on. They realize that they are being played. And so now it's their time, their turn, to switch things around and manipulate the, 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 more, um, the Duke brothers. And so at the end of the movie, they triumph. They end up on a nice beach. They both now have pretty good lives. And they have ruined the Duke brothers, Ralph um, and Mortimer, Randolph and Mortimer. So much so that if you've seen, that you see them five years later in another movie, it is in Eddie Murphy's movie, Coming to America, which also takes place in the same city, Philadelphia. And they are now on the street. It's a reversal of fortune. The movie is a comedy, but I think it's trying to also tell a point that, um, at least I think spiritually, that in God's kingdom, what matters is not our riches, but is what's in our hearts and how do we care for one another. The Dukes thought that they could just, that lives were things that you could just play with which is not really that different from the rich man that thought not much about Lazarus. There are Lazarus in our midst in these days. And we might see them, but we don't pay much attention to them. What would happen if we took our faith seriously? What would happen if we saw helping others in our time and in our money as a spiritual practice, as much as praying and reading the Bible. I will leave you with that thought. Thanks be to God. 
Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.